1: Today, we are talking about Dr. Jeff Weber, M.D. My new character to hate. Yeah. So we'd heard of Jeff before. And here's the thing. We are only using General Hospital fandom today. Listen, this year, they have (laughs) thrown at us. So many old characters. It's hard. It takes time to do all of this research. There's been old characters, old storyline. I was joking with Amanda. I said, you know, last year at this time, we were like on part eight of 12 with Alan Quatermain. That's how little. Right. In-depth stuff that we had that we were actually able to do that. I think we only missed one. one time. Or we pushed back one week. Mm-hmm. And that was because of a quick little side thing. Yep. So we have not had enough time to jump into YouTube and watch all the old Jeff. I didn't look at the scrapbook, and I just realized right at the second that that could have been a done oh, thing. Yeah. Oops. Didn't even look at <laughs> Oops. <him. laughs> but it looked like General Hospital fandom had enough. So just realized that we also did not look in the scrapbook. So Amanda went ahead and grabbed that. So we're just going to do our best here. And because, as we mentioned during one of our weekly recaps, Jeff Weber has not been on the show since 1981. And at that time, only one of us had been alive for a year. (laughs) I'm sorry I don't remember everything that happened when I was one years old. I know.
0: I'm sure the highlight of my life was watching General Hospital with my mom.
1: I'm sure that it was. So we will just get started talking about Dr. Jeff Weber. He is a fictional character on General Hospital, and he is the son of Steve Hardy and Helene Weber. He is the father of Dr. Stephen Weber, Dr. Sarah Weber and nurse Elizabeth Weber, and Hayden Barnes. Mm Mm-hmm. He was portrayed by Richard Dean Anderson, a.k.a. MacGyver, from 1976 until March 24th, 1991. Literally a couple days shy of Amanda's one-year, (laughs) one-month birthday. Are we celebrating my 13th birthday? 13-month. 13-month birthday, that's what I meant. And then on October 28th, October 18th, 2022, it was revealed that William R. Moses was recast as Jeff. So we'll get started. He is 72 years old. He lives in the Weber, California house in Monterey, California. However, when Liz came, we knew she was from Boulder. So we're just not even going to get into that. Why they changed
0: that, those kind of.
1: Because we are supposed to be believing that that's the house she grew up in, right? Yeah. Okay. That's the impression I'm under. So we'll get started back in 1976, where Dr. Jeff Weber was first introduced in the spring of 1976 when he arrived in Port Charles after graduating from medical school. Now, we did talk a little bit about him, when we talked about Monica's lovers. Lovers. Because newlyweds Jeff and his wife, Dr. Monica Bard Weber, who was then portrayed by Patsy Ron, planned to join the staff of General Hospital following in the footsteps of Jeff's older brother, Rick Weber, who had been reportedly killed in a plane crash over Africa. Steve Hardy tapped the young married Webbers for a bold new experimental program at the hospital called the Mr. and Mrs. Intern. For Steve, the Mr. and Mrs. Intern experiment was a noble game. He believed that Jeff and Monica were a perfect choice. It was six months into their marriage, Steve assumed that they were ideally happy, but in actuality, Their marriage was a wreck. Jeff feared everyone at GH was comparing him to his dead brother, Rick. He missed his brother greatly, as did his wife, Monica, who had once been engaged to Rick. And this is why you just need to get out of the family when you're looking for spouses. (laughs) Suddenly, Rick appeared alive, revealing that he had been captured by African revolutionaries during a civil war and held prisoner for 10 months. Monica and Rick were still in love. Jeff grew angry and jealous as his, as their feelings developed into an affair. In response, he had an affair with Heather Grant, a scheming nanny who wanted Jeff to herself. He, she became pregnant, but didn't tell anyone, not even Jeff. So check Mark, even though Monica was cheating on him with Rick, he also stepped out. So I already know a pattern here. Jeff's not necessarily always faithful. Suddenly, Jeff disappeared, and no one knew where he was for a time until he showed up at the poor Charles bar called Barney's Place, where he was drunk and high on amphetamines. Jeff then stole a gun that was kept in the back of the bar, and he was found unconscious with a bullet in his brain. On his deathbed, he was told by his sister, Terry Weber, while her own mother, Helene, was dying. She had revealed the location of a safe deposit box containing a letter stating that Jeff's real father was Steve Hardy. So are we to assume then that this gun that he stole, he self-inflicted the gunshot wound? So
0: the book says, the book says that Jeff graduated from medical school in the spring of 1976 along with his life wife, along with his wife, Monica, who had once been Rick's fiance. And then it says Steve Hardy, the Mr. and Mrs. Intern thing that you were talking about for Steve Hardy. The intern experiment was a noble gamble. He believed that Jeff and Monica were a perfect choice. Six months into their marriage, he assumed they were ideally happy. He was wrong. Their new marriage was a wreck. Jeff had a hang up. He feared that everyone at General Hospital was comparing him to his late, in quotation marks, brother rick fearing he would always be second best jeff's every thought was plagued by memories of his dead brother Mm. jeff missed rick dearly and so did monica more than anyone even jeff knew Mm. um the ghost of rick weber was no sooner laid to rest by steve than it came alive again when jeff and monica were assigned to clinic duty under dr leslie faulkner dr rex pearson and on the make former colleague of rick was to be their supervising resident, Rex, with an eye on Monica, made a couple of tentative passes, passes which Monica deftly fended off. Irritated, Rex hit back by going after Jeff to goad him about not being man enough to handle his willing and caprious wife. The spotlight was getting to Jeff. He began to make mistakes, nothing critical, but alarming nonetheless. Steve confronted the young intern accusing him of being hung up on the ghost of Rick. Jeff accepted the blame for his errors but insisted his erratic behavior had nothing to do with Rick. He was a great guy, but he's gone, Jeff insisted, or was he? So that's where he's dealing with his his brother's, brother's not death. being dead. Yeah. Poor poor Rick always hung up or poor Jeff always hung up on Rick. And then um, it goes on to say where Rick was imprisoned, tortured, and scheduled for execution before the execution could take, pl- take place. Oh, my gosh. I can't read today. Rick's prison was hit by a bombing raid, and he was set free.
1: Freed by a bomb. Okay. Freed
0: by a bomb. That doesn't happen every day. There was an envelope that went to America with the message, your brother, Dr. Richard Weber, is alive. Details to follow.
1: Oh, so they got a letter first. They got a letter
0: first. Okay. And then for Jeff, the news... He didn't just show up. He didn't just show up. There was a letter. Okay. For Jeff, the news of his brother's imminent return brought a mixture of joy and upset. Joy because his idolized older brother was alive. Upset because he wondered how Rick would take the news that Jeff had married the girl Rick asked to be his wife in a letter he wrote her 10 months ago from Africa, just before his reported death.
1: Wait, did Monica know? Monica didn't know that she was that he was alive, but not. No, Monica, did Monica receive that letter? Did Jeff intercept it? No, Jeff knew, or
0: Monica knew. So Monica was torn oh, by the same okay. mingled joy and I fear. Just fear that Rick's return would reveal the lie she told Jeff when news of his death came that the letter she received did not ask her to be his wife. So Jeff knew that Rick had proposed and Monica lied and said that he hadn't.
2: And then still proposed anyway. Yeah,
0: that's gonna mess things up. Mm -hmm. Instead, Rick had spelled out clearly that the romance was over. Unbeknownst to Monica, Rick's feelings had changed during his long imprisonment. In captivity, he realized he truly loved Monica after all, and it was this realization that kept him going through his ordeal. Oh, so like Drew and his thoughts of Scout, yes, lover instead of um, daughter. Yeah, Rick was coming home to reclaim her. Before departing from Africa, Rick got through by phone to Terry and learned the shocking news that Monica and Jeff had married. Monica was relieved to know that Rick didn't give away her letter lie. Upon learning that he'd be landing in New York and route home, she secretly flew to New York to await Rick's arrival and plead with him not to reveal the truth of the letter to Jeff. Monica explained why she lied. Rick's reported death had panicked her into feeling she would be abandoned by Jeff and Terry. And Monica had a lifelong fear of aloneness. What? I'm I'm sorry. This is a point where we're going to see. She was only in her 20s. That's what I was going to say. Where we're going to see that life molds you into someone different. Because the Monica that we know was not afraid. Is not afraid of being alone. At all. Um. Having been raised in a founding home and never chosen for adoption, the Webbers gave Monica the first sense of family that she had ever known. That's
1: why she felt...
0: She couldn't stand the thought of losing them.
1: But that's why she felt, because she didn't have a family, right. like a stable family. Yeah. Yes,
0: but she has since grown up to be like, mm I don't need any of that. So upon his long-awaited return to General Hospital, Rick was reunited with Steve Hardy, who sensed that Rick was haunted by something. Was it, as Steve suspected, the months of imprisonment that troubled Rick? Or was he, as Terry believed, deeply troubled by the fact that Monica had married Jeff? As for Jeff, he was wary every time he saw Monica and Rick together. His jealousy exploded into anger when he stumbled on the secret that his wife and brother had met in New York. I don't trust you anymore, he screamed at Rick. So far, as I'm concerned, the brother who went to Africa never returned. For weeks, the climate between Monica and Jeff remained stormy, and Steve Hardy thought it best to end his noble Mr. and Mrs. intern experiment. Jeff, I'm separating you and Monica as a team and assigning you to surgical service under Rick, Steve sternly told the furious young intern. Eventually, the Weber brothers reconciled as Jeff's animosity cooled, but the volatile Weber-Weber-Weber triangle (laughs) was just heating up. In mid-July, Rick and Monica suddenly found themselves locked in a passionate kiss. The smoldering flames of passion erupted on a night when Monica lost her first patient, a little boy by the name of Joey Galvin. After the kiss, Monica confessed that she never stopped loving Rick, and he also let out his feelings. Monica and all her lovers,
1: I, I feel like, is to blame for everything. But where's where Jeff took the gun? The gun? um mm -mm -mm.
0: so jeff shows up at a bar downtown barney's place drunk despondent and high on amphetamines barney fearful that jeff would wander out and get himself into trouble put jeff up in the back room overnight oh unbeknownst to barney jeff stole a gun from behind the bar dr mark dante showed up the next day to bring jeff home but upon his arrival, the sound of a gunshot shattered the early morning calm. Mark raced into the back room where he found Jeff unconscious with a bullet in his brain. Rick blamed himself for everything. When he broke the news to a shocked Monica, he also said empathetically that their affair was over, and Terry, fearful that Jeff would die, went to Dr. Steve Hardy to say that her mother, Helene, on her deathbed had told Terry of the existence of a letter. Hidden away in a safety deposit box, the letter was to be opened only in case of a life-and-death crisis for Jeff. Steve assumed her, or Steve assured her that Jeff would survive high-risk surgery, saved Jeff's life, and the secret letter remained unopened
1: for now. Ooh. And then in 1977, Jeff had a slow recovery. So he did. It was a self-inflicted. It wasn't. Self-inflicted. He, wasn't he shot himself. A, okay. So then in 1977, Jeff had a slow recovery from his bullet wound okay. out of. If,
0: if we would have turned the next page, Jeff lingered in a coma brought on by his self-inflicted bullet wound.
1: Okay. <laughs> and what does that say about Steve next?
0: He grew alarmed when the patient took him. Steve grew alarmed when the patient took an unexpected turn for the worse. Jeff's sinking condition sent Terry and Steve to the bank vault to retrieve Helene Weber's letter, left there for opening only in case of a life-and-death crisis for her son, Jeff. Inside the box, Steve and Terry found two letters in an envelope. The one to Terry revealed that Helene and Steve had been high school sweethearts. Uh, Helene had divorced Lars and returned to Port Charles when she and Steve had become reacquainted and realized they were still in love. In the letter, Helene told her daughter how she and Steve had decided to marry on Steve's return from Korea in a year. Steve's letter said that the one night they spent together on the eve of his departure for the war had left her pregnant with Jeff. But when Steve was reported missing in action two weeks later, Helene returned to Lars and never told anyone that Steve Hardy was Jeff's real father. Steve absorbed the shocking news, sharing the secret with Audrey. Jeff is my son, he announced with pride and trepidation. Back at the hospital, Rick admitted to Monica, which she already feared. It's over, Monica, once and for all. Still, Monica refused to accept that they would never be together. All the concerned parties breathed a collective sigh of relief when Jeff regained consciousness and made a miraculous recovery. Refusing to speak with his brother, Rick, Jeff accepted Monica's offer to resume their marriage. Not that she loved Jeff. Ever off opportunistic monica saw a reconciliation as the only way she could stay on staff at general hospital and stay close to rick back with monica a more cynical jeff weber vowed to be a man jeff laid out his plans to dr gail adamson general hospital's new psychiatrist (gasps) who had known monica bard weber ever since she was a young waif growing up in st louis's founding home jeff insisted he was not taking monica back to punish her, no more worshiping Monica. She needs a man, and that's what she's going to get, insisted Jeff. Jeff wanted a baby, and Monica agreed to his request without telling Jeff that she was secretly taking birth control pills. Oh! Jeff was in for a shock upon discovering that he
1: already had a child on the way, Heather's child. Wow. So, yeah, what fandom says is in 1977, Jeff had a slow recovery from his bullet wound. Yeah. Out of guilt, Monica reconciled with him. When Heather revealed to Jeff that she was pregnant, Jeff told her to abort the baby so that he could still be with Monica. Okay,
0: hold on a second. Okay, Um, I'm questioning Jeff's ability as a doctor here because he says, I can't understand it, Heather. You told me you were on the pill. Telling and doing are two different things. (laughs) And do we know the pill's not 100% effective, Jeff? Well, I don't know when that stat came out. Oh, I don't know. Jeff offered a solution. Because that would have been
1: relatively new, right?
0: Right. Jeff offered a solution to Heather's dilemma when he asked her to give the baby to him and Monica to raise. No dice, Heather was not about to give Jeff her baby. The child was worth too much to her. The news of Jeff and Monica's reconciliation crushed Heather, who faked a suicide attempt to try and win Jeff's affections. That's not how you do it, ladies. Heather's efforts were all for naught. Once she detected that Jeff still wouldn't leave Monica, she ordered him to leave her alone. Heather had plans for her baby, plans that would net her a fortune. Heather revealed her scheme to her mother. She wouldn't abort her unborn child as Jeff wanted, but she would have the baby, sell it to Diane and Peter, and take the money to make a new life for herself. The Taylors wanted another child. They tried to adopt, but their plan to bring foster son Mike into their family was thwarted. Blah, blah, blah. Desperately wanted a baby. So Heather offered her baby in exchange for $10,000.
1: So in 1966 was when the FDA task force looked into the issues of side effects from the pills, including blood clots, cancer, and diabetes. Then in 1967, over 12.5 million women worldwide are on the pill. Wow. Massachusetts liberalizes its birth control law. That's a whole other, like, we could totally go down (laughs) a rabbit hole on this. But in 1968, it was now in seven different brands in the 70s is really when oh wow there were so then there was like lawsuits and the last stat it really has is I mean it's just talking it really was I don't know when they were able to find out i would assume that they would have probably had that stat sooner than 1977 yes i would think but so. it's also one of those things we've been raised where we've always had access we have to that we have um so then it goes on for
0: more storyline about um monica and leslie and everybody and then it says monica shaken by the news that rick had asked leslie to marry him finally did what she had long feared to do she asked jeff for a divorce On the rebound, Jeff asked Heather to marry him, and she accepted. But before the marriage could take place, Heather's ex, Larry Joe, that's a nice name, Larry Joe set Jeff straight by exposing a flurry of Heather's insidious plots. This put Jeff in a dilemma. How could he marry such a devious girl? But how could he give up his son? In desperation, Jeff told Heather he couldn't marry her. Instead, he would keep the baby and give her money to settle down in New York. Heather refused his offer and fled to Glenville, leaving Diana Taylor destroyed by the fact that she wouldn't get the baby she so desperately wanted. Now more than ever, Monica wanted Rick. And then there's more Rick, 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 Rick,
1: Rick. And so we are actually going to be doing Heather Weber over the next few weeks also. So we're not, we're going to try
0: to not, <laughs> try to not
1: get too, too we to not tell you too much about her crazy. At least during Jeff's. Right, 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 right. But she obviously has a huge. C- crazy? Well, there's a, no, there's a lot of people that are like, what's the connection between Jeff and Heather? So many people don't know this. Right. So then after the birth of her
0: baby, Stephen Lars, Heather took $500 of Jeff's money and fled to New York city where she hoped to fulfill her grand dreams of a fabulous modeling career. Mm -hmm. She found refuge in a boarding house run by Edna Hadley, a suddenly old landlord who promised to help her, but quickly revealed a shady side with involvements, with a porno photographer. Jeff didn't know about her selling the baby, blah, blah, blah. Oh, discovering that Heather was in New York, Jeff intended to bring her and the baby back to Port Charles. Learning Jeff was on his way, she decided to flee to California immediately. Mrs. Hadley recommended that she tell Jeff that Stephen Lord's had died, but Heather found that idea awful because it would devastate Jeff. Before Heather could leave, Jeff showed up on the door. Heather, shaken by his presence, couldn't bring herself to reveal the real story of Stephen Lars, Stephen Lars. Instead, she told the inexcusable lie, Stephen Lars is dead. Jeff, devastated, was very sympathetic to Heather's plate and asked her to come back to Port Charles with him. Touched by, his, by her apparent sadness, Jeff made the mother of his child a tempting offer. Marry me, Heather, he proposed. She eagerly accepted.
1: That's pretty much what the rest of fandom says. But then it says in 1978, Jeff and Heather are married. But early into their marriage, the newlyweds are very, saw very little of each other as Heather has had become the nanny of her own child, PJ Taylor. And Jeff was studying for his license. Soon, Heather discovered that she was pregnant again. Jeff announced if the baby was a boy, he wanted to name him Stephen Lars. Heather, however, lost the baby. Aww. So I guess 1978 was like a short year for them.
0: Yeah, it focuses on Heather, and I don't want to get into that, because like we said, we're going to get into that train wreck next. So then in
1: 1979, in the winter, Steve Hardy was forced to place General Hospital under quarantine due to an outbreak of the deadly Lassa fever. He himself fell ill with the fatal disease... Believing that Steve was on his deathbed, his wife, Audrey Hardy, told Jeff that Steve was his real father. Jeff didn't know. Jeff didn't know. Meanwhile, Heather was obsessed to see her son, whom she had sold to the Taylors. Heather planned to put LSD in Diana Taylor's drink to make her go insane. However, the glasses were switched. Heather drank the LSD and began to wildly hallucinate. Jeff had no choice but to ship her off to a sanitarium. It was then revealed that PJ Taylor was really Jeff Weber's son, Stephen Lars Weber. Peter Taylor died of a heart attack when he heard Aww! In order to keep from losing her adopted son, Diana Taylor married Jeff though he still did not know the child was his. That was 79? Yeah. This is like Does the book say anything else about This is all Scott
0: and Luke. There it says about Heather Weber trying. Heather purchased LSD. Jeff had no choice but to ship his wife to Forest Hills Sanitarium.
1: Forest Hills. There's a Forest Hills, Pennsylvania.
0: There is. There's a Forest Hills, New York um reeling from the shock of heather's mental collapse jeff found solace in his newly warm relationship with his father steve hardy steve shed a tear when jeff called him dad for the first time jeff grew close to his new roommate joe kelly who had fallen in love with a virginal nurse annie logan annie was audrey's niece and a registered nurse do do do, do. don't care about that even though that's cute it became increasingly apparent to Audrey that what Annie was really waiting for was a romantic overture overturn from Jeff.
1: Ooh, but it doesn't say anything about Diana.
0: Diana was the person that Heather was trying to take the baby back from, but it doesn't say it just says that she drugged her and that would be Heather's stuff. Um, It does say that Peter died trying vainly to tell Jeff that he knew something about Stephen Lars. So the secret of PJ's identity remained only with Miss Grant and Heather, Jeff realizing that Heather told Peter something about Stephen Lars, traveled to the sanitarium, but Heather was so ill that Jeff wasn't allowed to see her. He called upon his private detective friend, Joe Kelly, who found Miss Hadley in Chicago. Finally, there was a breakthrough in the search for Stephen Lars, Diana going through Peter's old clothes, Found the fateful note he wrote only moments before he died. PJ is Stephen Lars. In mm. shock, she realized she could lose the child she loved so dearly. That is, unless she married Jeff Weber, then they would both have what they wanted, PJ and Stephen Lars. Mm. Mm. And then it doesn't say anything else about Jeff.
1: Marrying her?
0: mm now we're on to Monica. Right? I'm not missing it. We ended there. Well, no, because
1: then even over to the right, under his relationships, Diana Taylor is not mentioned as having married him. Romance. Okay, we don't need to get into... Right, it's just weird... This is one just one one is one one a they... weird rabbit hole they... that we may have just right. discovered. Because this says someone
0: says they're going to marry him and then they
1: don't... Well, it says Diana Terry, Taylor married Jeff, though he still did not know the child was his... And over to the right, in the box, where it says spouses, she is not listed. She is only listed under romances. But then in 1980, while Heather was still in the sanitarium, Jeff fell in love with Audrey Hardy's niece, Annie Logan. So you were just talking about that. And the duo hoped to wed. But what happened to his marriage to Diana <laughs> Taylor?
0: No, the book does not tell us. It's I don't think she was going maybe to. maybe
1: Diana was thinking I should marry Jeff and it just didn't but happen. But they just didn't
0: happen. That okay. would make sense. Because, yeah, the book does not say they got married. It says she thought about she should marry him.
1: But and then then that's, that's the only thing that it says about 1980. Does the book say anything different? Is that the duo were hoping to wed? Because it also sounds like in 1979, there was a reference that Annie was hoping that Jeff would look right. her way, you know? Because then it immediately jumps to 1981. They had broken up and Jeff had an affair with Diana.
0: Oh, my gosh. She's back and forth between women. Like. Well, but the, his
1: 1980 was only one line. That they were hoping to get married. So maybe there wasn't anything.
0: Yeah, I don't see Jeff's name.
1: Anywhere in 1980?
0: Anywhere in 1980. This is all Luke and Laura. So then
1: in 1981, Annie and Jeff had broken up. Jeff had an affair with Diana, who then finally revealed to him that PJ was his son. Shortly thereafter, Diana was killed by Heather's mother, Alice Grant, who tried to frame Annie for the murder. Okay, so this says...
0: Diana's worries escalated when a prowler entered her apartment and threatened her with a gun. Jeff, who was in the corridor, heard her screams and rushed to her aid. Jeff grappled with the prowler, but the mysterious man made his escape. Fearing that something might happen to her, Diana changed her will, naming Leslie Weber as PJ's guardian instead of Jeff and Heather. In the wake of Diana's mounting anxiety, she confronted Heather in the floating rib and accused her of killing Peter. If it wasn't for you, my husband would be alive today, screamed Diana before collapsing from the effects of the stressful encounter. Alice Grant had been observing her daughter. Do-do-do-do-do. And then Miss Grant says, If you pull another trick, Heather, I'll go to Diana and Jeff with the entire truth about PJ's identity, she threatened. As usual, Heather wasn't about to give up. She had yet another deadly scheme up her sleeve. Dun dun. Then there's some more information and then entering Diana's apartment with a set of stolen keys and a drawn gun. She stood frozen at the sight of Diana and Jeff, who had been rejected by Anne making love. So Anne said no and Jeff hooked up with Diana. Okay. And then returning to Forest Hills without carrying out her murder plan, Heather became more determined than ever to kill Diana and claim her son. Knowing that Diana planned to sign a new will, changing guardianship of PJ from Jeff and Heather to Leslie, Heather returned to Diane's apartment and snatched both copies of the will, ripping them into tiny pieces. Back in Forest Hills, used the scraps in an arts and craft project. Okay. Diana, meanwhile, hoping for a future with Jeff, finally revealed to him the secret she had known for months. PJ is Stephen Lars, your son, she declared. And to prove her claim, she handed Jeff copies of PJ's birth footprints and suggested that he compare them with those of Stephen Lars, whose prints were on file at General Hospital. Jeff, bewildered and angry that Diana had kept the truth from him for so long, stormed out of the apartment. At wit's end, Diana pleaded with him from the open door to stay. Make love to me, she cried out in panic. Anne, unseen by then, arrived in time to overhear the bitter exchange Seeing Jeff, then Anne, leave the building, Heather entered for the kill. Chief Ramsey agreed to assign Joe Kelly as a special investigator on the case. Jeff and Joe suspected Heather of murdering Diana. Hmm. Set out to uncover the missing piece. Heather remained confident since she had an alibi. With a tearful goodbye, Dr. Jeff Weber, his young son in his arms, departed from Port Charles.
1: Yeah, and that's what the next line says. It says, Jeff took his son Stephen and left Port Charles later asking Heather for a divorce because he found someone else. Then in 1997, Jeff and his new wife traveled to Sarajevo to help in the war effort. They sent their two daughters, Sarah and Elizabeth, to live with their grandmother, Audrey. Except Sarah was sent first and then Liz showed up. Right. They didn't both show up at the same day. Right. This ends. I feel like we need to do another Liz because when we did Liz a few years ago, we haven't listened to it in three years either, so I don't, <laughs> I don't remember what it sounded like. We did not do the research that we typically do. No. But whatever. I think that we have all established at this point, we all know that Sarah came first. Liz showed up later. Absolutely. In 1998, Jeff wrote to his daughter Sarah and had her move to Sarajevo, Sarajevo as well. His children, especially Elizabeth, have stated numerous times, that Jeff and their mother were not very good parents. With the exception of Sarah, they have limited contact with both of them. Elizabeth even stated that she wasn't close to him at all. In 2016, it was revealed that he had an affair with Naomi Dreyfus, and they conceived a daughter, Hayden Barnes. Then on October 20th, oh my gosh, it took like a whole year. Mm Mm-hmm. Terry got a call that Jeff was trying to speak to Liz. See, and then that's the other thing. So a year ago, we're being told that Jeff was trying to reach out to Liz. Not. Right. So then she told Liz that Jeff called. It is revealed that Jeff called Liz once before when her husband Franco was killed. Oh, they did care. They called once before. On... But that was after Jake or.
0: After, yes. Yeah, had already been yeah. talking to them. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They only called because Jake had said, oh, my mom's really upset because her husband died.
1: Right. On March 16th, 2022, Jake confesses to his mom and Finn that he has been chatting with Grandpa Jeff and Grandma Carolyn on the computer at the library. They started communicating with him after his father died. Liz is upset to hear that her parents are secretly talking with her son. Right. Liz went to Shady Brook to recover after being in a huge state. On July 7th, Jake visits his mom in Shadybrook and says that his grandparents are still emailing him, but he hasn't responded to them. Finn later considers calling Liz's parents as he is concerned with her. I feel like this took a turn. And I feel like we knew this, but it just, we weren't piecing these things together, that it was Jeff reaching out first. Because then he intentionally reached out to Terry. And it would make more sense if the reason that they were reaching out is because Liz was dating Finn, yeah, but they're making it seem like right they didn't know they it had was Finn. no clue, but that would have absolutely one thousand percent made sense. Hey, we should reach out to Terry, see what's going on here.
0: Well, I thought it was ridiculous whenever Jeff met Finn and was like, "Oh, like he didn't know what he looked like or who he was or who he was." But he had already said to Elizabeth, you're dating some nice
1: doctor, blah, blah, blah. Like, he has seen posts on social media. So You might have heard that just from Jake, though. Maybe. But- like, as they're emailing back and forth, yeah, my mom's dating so-and-so. I agree, though. Like, I, I feel like they should have known ahead of time it was that, Yeah. And that would have made sense for him to do the reaching out of... Yeah. Mm-mm. Because Liz and Finn have been together for a, a while. while. Yeah. When did they get together? Hold on. Because they kissed in, in 2021.
2: Would that okay. have been
1: before? If that had happened right before, why does Liz stop in 2019? That's absurd. Okay. So if they had kissed right before Terry got that call and like they were starting to, or even if they had already started to be dating, that would have made sense for Jeff. To reach out. Yeah. Okay. And then on September 19th, Liz agrees to Kevin Collins, hypnotizing her as she doesn't understand a recurring memory that she has been having as well as blackouts under hypnosis in her memory. Liz, a young Liz leaves a building with a woman who she shortly after found out was the late Rako Finn. She grabs the woman by the wrists and tells her not to talk about Liz's father. The woman is suddenly at the bottom of the stairwell with Liz standing over her, Liz remembers someone standing at the top of the stairs. She flashes back to Peter August at the bottom of the hospital stairs before leaving her hypnotic state. Liz wonders if her father was the one at the top of the stairs who pushed the woman. In October 2022, Liz and Terry head on a train ride to Monterey, California. Weren't they in a car? I thought so. Didn't they Okay. They were in a car. Yeah. I know they were in a car outside the house. Maybe they taken it. Yeah, okay. I'm like, I don't remember this trade. They use a cover story that is a medical conference, but Liz plans to break into her parents' house and find information about Rico. Once in Monterey, Terry meets with Liz's parents at a nearby coffee shop to stall them while Liz sneaks into the house. She sets off the alarm, and while Terry is on the phone with Britt, she loses track of Liz's parents. As Liz looks at photos on the mantle, she notices her father at the door. And then since then, they've talked about the fact that it was Jeff had the affair with Braco and that Liz was actually the one who pushed her down the stairs, mm-hmm. even though she actually just let her wrists go and she fell because it was an accident. And Jeff has shown up in Port Charles. Oh, and then they told Liz that she was wrong for everything she was remembering. Right. And it really wasn't that big of a deal. Whatever. I don't think that they didn't say that it wasn't that big of a deal, but that was the impression that I was getting. They're
0: like, why are you so upset by this? We kind of sort of brainwashed you so you'd be over it. Yeah. We,
1: we tried our best. (laughs) And then Liz basically said everything that we have said also. They didn't call her when, you know, she was raped, when she went through multiple other tragedies in her life, only showed up when they need to cover their own tracks. Right. So in short, Jeff should be a better person than he is because of all the stuff that Heather put him through in the very beginning of when he came to Port Charles. But at the same time, he also has, it doesn't sound like he was, I guess I was always under the impression that Jeff Weber was a great guy. No, he flip-flopped back and forth. I think they said he was a great doctor. Okay, maybe that's...
0: And that's where we just assume that means all the way around great person Mm -hmm. but it does not I guess have to mean that so it sounds like he was very confused in his love life because he was flip-flopping back and forth between these different women like I'm sorry just because you're heartbroken doesn't mean you go back to your last lover and be like hey will you marry me
1: which he seemed to do with every person that he was involved with back then so we did do a post on social media asking for
2: the collective
1: people's Help, because we said Jeff Weber has not been on General Hospital for most or all of our lives. Please fill us in on his history. We've heard that the Jeff Weber that has come back is not like the one the fans knew before. We'd love to hear more about his past, what you loved, favorite storylines or anything. And the only answer we received was from Fraser Stewart. He was more interesting than they are writing him now. Okay. Definitely a cheater. Okay. But sort of like a Tad Martin attitude. Maybe. Can you expand upon that? Because... I've we've talked about like I didn't watch all my like said
0: on all my children. He Tad's nickname was Tad the Cad because he hooked up with people based on what he could get out of the situation, Mm -hmm. and he was not committed to anyone until he fell in love with Dixie. And even then, he was like, "Oh no, what are these feelings I'm having?" I was used to just using people for what I needed to get out of them. So I get, I, I don't know that the book portrays Jeff exactly like that. I think they're kind of trying to make him sound like, Oh, poor him was manipulated by Heather and mm-hmm. then bounced back and forth. Between like Monica lied people. to him because she
1: was actually still in love with, with his brother. Heather, and sure. Right. That's hard enough. But then when he comes back to be alive, of course there's going to be mixed emotions all the way around. So why yeah. not go to Heather? And then Heather winds up lying to him about who, if he has a child and who, Right, the child is because he thought that he she miscarried one, and then it turns out to actually be this the son that she gave Heather away, nannying through this other person, and then when he gets involved with that woman, he, and then just she's like, the "Hey, son. by the way, yeah," <laughs> and then yeah, all those things.
0: So, oh man, I mean, I will give it to him that he's complicated, but I still don't think now from what Liz has said. From the very beginning, her parents cared more about doctors without borders than their kids. Mm -hmm. And from what we're learning from Jeff and his wife is that Jeff had multiple affairs during the time that he has been in Doctors Without Borders and right, away from Right, he has Liz. never been
1: faithful, so who else? That's why I'm saying right. my theory that he could have hop, skipped, and jumped over to Colorado. I'm not saying that And you're Willow wrong. is her, her sister and hightailed it back to. I just don't want Willow to be
2: <laughs> We don't
1: need that. Right, Liz already has Hayden. Yeah. But it says that this version looks like a deer caught in headlights and no amount of digging will absolve them from dropping off Lizzie and running. And I think the biggest surprise, at least for me, is his short time on the show. Right. Because I certainly felt like yes, this me was too. just five years that we covered, mm-hmm. and not even the full five years. There was like years that maybe didn't say anything. Three right. collectively that right. he was actually on the show. So
0: yeah, I didn't know. Again, forgive me for not remembering when I was a year or so old
1: i thought he was on the show until like 85 86 i thought that he was definitely like at least a decade yeah you know that we had a good amount of background on him i mean i I think that this is a great background i think it's a very interesting right we got who he is but i thought there was not as in years yeah i definitely thought it was going to be more in depth because not for nothing we don't know anything about him other than she doesn't know. Cheater, who, cheater, cheater. Doctors Without Borders. Right, cheater, another right. kid. Where's my baby? <laughs> Who's my baby? Who's pregnant with my baby? Right. And birth control doesn't work. Okay, cool. But she said
0: she was on it. That's my favorite line of this whole thing. But I think that a that's also something to remember, says, though. That you told me you were on birth control.
1: Oh, Okay. Well, but- so when Ross finds out that Rachel's pregnant on Friends, he's like, but we use a condom. And she's like, well, apparently they don't work all the time. He's like, they should put that on the box. And he's a paleontologist. I mean, a different kind of doctor. Right. But but he's a smart guy. And I feel like I grew up in the 90s and we all knew that that was a thing. Why didn't he know? I don't know. (sighs) But I also do think that it's interesting to think back in that context of, wait, this still would have only been a fairly recent. Right, right, Right. Even though it was after a decade. What did they say? Like, there's been more progress, at least technologically, like in the past five years than the previous 50. Right. So, yes, it had been around, quote, for 10 to 15 years, but in our time, that's like the equivalent of two years, maybe. So, I don't know. I I think that it's... I'm looking forward to... Because I know that we know our Heather, but I feel like there's a lot Mm -hmm. about Heather Weber that we don't know and we will talk about next week i'm excited for that so if there's anything that we missed or i think that we also had a lot of questions about jeff weber during this um feel free to email us at peer54podcast at gmail.com have a good weekend and we'll meet you with a peer bye bye